Good morning, everyone. I hope you can hear me. Um, I think sometimes we have a couple of technical difficulties. If you can't hear me, please raise your hand uh, or text me. Um, and if you don't know what's going on, text me anyways. I appreciate it. It is 8.04 Apple time. We started a couple minutes late, but back to our usual grand rounds time, and maybe we'll just go back to the Apple time now. Uh, it's good to connect with everyone. I uh, hope you're having your coffee, enjoying uh, your morning and getting ready for, uh, for work and seeing your patients taking care of uh, all the healthcare needs of, of the community you serve. So thank you for, for your service, for everything that you do. We continue to move forward. Uh, as you know, this, uh, this pandemic has proven to be uh, very exceptionally challenging. Uh, the good news for Connecticut is that uh, we still remain one of the best states in the nation in terms of active cases of COVID-19. Uh, I checked this morning, as I always do every morning, and, and Connecticut is still in the <clears throat> top five or bottom five, depending on how you look at it. Of course, our colleagues up in Vermont always beat us. Uh, they, have, they have very, very low rates, but they don't let anyone in, so we can't go up to see them unless you quarantine for 14 days. Uh, so again, thank you for everything that you're doing. Stay put. Uh, make sure you log in uh, to our uh, grand rounds to our Ask, Ask the Expert sessions. This Friday, we have a little different uh, session. It's not the traditional John Shriver, but we have an outstanding speaker for the uh, translational seminar series at 8 o'clock, so please do join us for that session. But today, we have uh, an outstanding presentation, one that I think you will enjoy very much uh, from our, our head of the Division of Pediatric Neurology, and uh, I think all of you know Dr. Jula Aksadi. Uh, Jula is, uh, is a remarkable individual uh, who is an MD-PhD, and he brings his uh, full science uh, brain into the clinical neurology practice. And one of the things that he's really passionate about is gene therapy for neuromuscular diseases. Uh, I have been so impressed uh, when uh, uh, a new baby with SMA is born, Jula gets into action. Uh, he he uh, calls everyone that he can. I always get that first email saying, we have a new baby uh, that has been diagnosed through uh, genetic screening now, which is really remarkable. And can we get going with therapy? And, and of course, these are hard questions because you know it, the actual therapy costs about $2 million. So somebody has to uh, approve that. And unfortunately, we've been able to work it out with the hospital administration and, and our chief financial officer and how we do this. And we have moved very quickly with Jula's passion, compassionate care, and also the help of our clinical trials unit. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm really proud to ask uh, Dr. Jula Aksadi to uh, give us today's Grand Rounds presentation, which is gene therapy for neurological diseases. Uh, so Jula, if you could hear me, I think he's doing this remotely from his office. I'm sure he's going to go see patients right after this. I appreciate your time and dedication in putting this together. And uh, if you can take it over, and then we'll do questions at the end through the Q&A session. Jula? Yes, thank you. I hope everybody hears me and uh, sees me. Um, uh, good morning, and uh, thank you for the kind introduction. Um, Gene therapy is really around the corner. It's, it has entered already to clinical trials, and uh, I've tried to give some background um, uh, for the whole concept, uh, the basic science and some uh, new developments, um, so people can uh, have less fear, more understanding, and probably uh, ready to use uh, when this comes to, to our clinic. Next slide, please. Uh, I start with my disclosures, uh, and next slide, please. Uh, my goal is to review the, the basic uh, science behind uh, um, gene therapy for the various diseases, um, to discuss a little bit how molecular engineering um, uh, played a role in, the, in this process, and uh, present a few um, examples for, for the various uh, 
uh, gene therapy uh, 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 protocols. Next slide, please. <clears throat> it, it is amazing that it was not until 1944 when DNA was discovered as the material of inheritance by um, Avery, McLeod, and McCarthy. And unfortunately, they didn't receive the Nobel Prize, but this was a milestone in uh, biology discovery. Next slide, please. Um, the, this uh, established the central dogma of molecular biology that the molecular inf information flows from DNA to RNA to protein in uh, mammalian cells. And except in the pro, um, karyots, uh, then there, there's a possibility that RNA can, can revert back to DNA. This is based on uh, Francis Crick's uh, um, publication. Next slide, please. There are uh, different uh, chromosome abnormalities and genetic mutations, deletions, translocations, duplications, inversions in our genome. Unfortunately, our system is not uh, um, uh, very perfect and everybody can have uh, such as uh, aberrations in the chromosome. Next uh, slide, please. At the DNA level, we see uh, alteration of uh, <coughs> DNA, um, uh, which uh, mu single gene mutations or base pair mutations can be silent, can be non-deleterious, and can be uh, causing nonsense uh, stop codon mutations or missense mutations that alters the protein structure and may significantly impa impact the function. Next slide, please. <clears throat> when um, we talk about gene therapy, we actually hijack the knowledge uh, from our um, uh, biology. And uh, it has been recognized that the DNA transfer occurs in a living organism such as in prokaryotes. Um, there are uh, different ways bacteria exchange the pieces of DNA. One is the conjugation of plasmid DNA that exchanges the antibiotic uh, resistance. Dr. Salazar may call this, call this in his laboratory as the sex of the bacteria. Uh, there are bacteriophages that attack uh, uh, bacteria and uh, deposit uh, uh, DNA material. So plasmid DNA is actually used to uh, really uh, in, gen uh, in gene therapy because you can grow uh, plasmid DNA in a large um, uh, uh, amount of bacteria and use it as uh, uh, for gene therapy. Next slide, please. In um, uh, mammalian systems and humans, uh, viral infections uh, give typical example of the uh, of the gene transfer. There are two major types of uh, viruses. Um, the RNA viruses that require reverse transcriptase uh, to um, deposit the RNA into um, the genome. And some of these viruses are known to be as uh, lentiviruses that are now used for gene therapy purposes. <laughs> DNA viruses uh, are more common and they can either integrate to, into the uh, genome or they stay episomal and uh, they have to enter to the nucleus to be able to uh, produce the viral proteins and then the cell got destroyed. RNA viruses usually don't destroy the host cells. Next slide, please. 
So for gene therapy um, purposes, two major um, vectors have been uh, utilized. Again, some lentiviral vectors that has uh, uh, the potential to infect many different kinds of cells, but at the, this will be permanently altering the genome. And these type of uh, uh, vectors are good for hem hemopoietic cells when, when the cells are constantly uh, reproduced by four post-mitotic cells. DNA viruses are the most useful because um, we in, uh, they can uh, infect and uh, transfer genes into post-mitotic cells. And such viruses uh, can be herpes and adenoviruses with large DNA capacity that can be inserted. And the other recently favored uh, vector is adeno-associated vi uh, virus. Next slide, please. These viruses are dependaviruses. They cannot replicate on their own. They need to have adenovirus to replicate. They have a very small genome, but, and uh, there's no human um, disease associated with these viruses. They are at least 36 different serotypes. Um, uh, and they have uh, different capsid proteins and different tropisms for different cells. When we engineer these viruses to carry DNA, we replace uh, the viral um, um, DNA, except the in inverted terminal repeats, which are needed for packaging the DNA, with the gene of interest. Next slide, please. So, um, different uh, genetic um, um, therapies um, not just gene therapy, can, can be um, at several levels. Sometimes we affect the uh, overall uh, DNA um, um, methylation and increase the RNA production from normal uh, DNA. There are some small molecules that can affect the transcription, and these are um, uh, screened uh, small molecules, which uh, are important and may affect uh, the RNA production. Then there are drugs and, and molecules such as oligonucleotides that can bind specifically at uh, some specific target uh, sequences in the RNA. Um, uh, and these are then uh, used, not as used uh, oligonucleotides, uh, which are very important. Gene therapy or gene replacement uh, uh, includes uh, the uh, transfer of functional full coding sequences of genes. The really the new kid in, um, around the block is uh, gene editing. Next slide, please. Gene editing is very exciting because you can potentially fix mutations. We utilize the uh, we utilize bacterial nucleases uh, with a specific uh, sequences attached to it that can break um, uh, DNA and the, the repair mechanism can uh, uh, repair the abnormal mutations. This ha system has been extensively studied and, and probably gives the future uh, for, uh, for gene repair, but it requires gene therapy because you have to end, uh, deliver the nucleases into the different uh, parts of the body. Next slide, please. Anti-sense oligonucleotides are developed these, uh, uh, by um, putting artificial small uh, pieces of uh, uh, nucleic acid or RNA uh, molecules, and they can be targeted at many uh, places uh, in the genome, it, basically everywhere. You can target uh, the gene sequences, coding regions, regulatory regions, and um, 
therefore modify gene expression or um, correct gene expression. Um, one of the key um, player in this uh, um, discovery was uh, uh, Paul Charles Zamensik, uh, who worked at uh, Massachusetts General Hospital, and he described and synthesized uh, these oligonucleotides to try to block RSV infection in the tissue culture cells. Um, he discovered all of this after he retired. Unfortunately, he has not received a Nobel Prize for it. Uh, he also discovered uh, tRNA. Next slide, please. So um, I show this um, uh, oligonucleotides because this is one of our key, key um, uh, new treatments for several neuromuscular diseases. These are uh, uh, stabilized because if you inject a piece of DNA or RNA in, in your body, the uh, natural defense mechanism utilizing uh, in endogenous nucleases quickly destroyed any exogenous DNA or RNA molecule. So it has to be chemically modified to make it stable enough so that we can uh, have that injected and uh, um, have it uh, um, for therapeutic purposes. These um, um, oligonucleotides uh, can uh, block different uh, regulatory sequences on RNA or DNA molecules, such as uh, splicing sites, splicing enhancer, or splicing uh, um, um, mo uh, uh, modifier slide, uh, sites. And this is used for skipping exons on, in some uh, uh, genes or uh, force exon inc inclusions, which is a very important uh, basic uh, um, um, concept. Next slide, please. <coughs> These uh, oligonucleotides have to um, uh, be uh, available uh, through IV injections or direct tissue injections. They have to enter the cells like viruses. Uh, they use some uh, receptors and they have to enter into the uh, nucleus of, of uh, the cells. Next slide, please. Gene therapy itself is uh, uh, transferring um, whole cDNA sequences, which is promoter, so that it can uh, be transcribed and protein production can be done. Pieces of DNA uh, itself, again, is not stable. Therefore, we have to protect it using some chemicals, such as liposomes or nanoparticles, or we should have to use viruses, hijack their system, and uh, replace their DNA, which would uh, then enter to the uh, target cells. Next slide, please. To be able to um, do gene therapy, we have to know our disease very well because we have to recognize what are the target cells. It can be multiple target cells. It can be multi multiple organ systems to, to be able to treat. For the uh, nervous system, uh, different deliveries can be utilized, direct tissue injection to the brain um, or even the eye. Um, direct uh, um, uh, intravascular injection, direct uh, neuronal injection, intrathecal injection or systemic vascular uh, injection to be able to deliver the vectors and genes to many parts of the nervous system. Next slide, please. Um, to be able to do gene therapy, we have to test it uh, in vitro or animal models before uh, we can start uh, clinical trials. These vectors have to be uh, produced in large scale in bioreactors, and they have to be tested uh, for cleanness and safety. Next slide, please. 
This is a brief uh, um, history of gene therapy. As I mentioned, uh, as soon as DNA was discovered as an uh, inheritance material, people started thinking about using DNA for therapeutic purposes. But not until uh, 1980, 1989, when the first uh, um, um, clinical trial was approved for immune deficiency using uh, adenovirus as a vector. There was a very unfortunate incident in um, 1999 with a rushed gene therapy protocol for uh, urine cycle disorder. Um, uh, the first patient was killed, unfortunately, by adenoviral gene therapy for massive uh, liver failure and uh, uh, shock. Unfortunately, this um, set back the whole field for about 10, 15 years. It was difficult to obtain um, grants. It was difficult to obtain protocols. But um, the field bounced back after 10, 15 years because it was recognized there that gene therapy can be done safely. And uh, uh, not only in the US, but uh, in Europe, there were several um, pro protocols um, approved. But not until in 2016, when really the first um, 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 gene therapy agents were actually FD, uh, got FDA approved, such as for uh, leukemia, um, a um, um, eye disease, a retinal uh, degeneration disease, and, and in the, uh, 2019 for spinal muscular atrophy, which is very exciting. Next time, please. <laughs> Currently, there are several neurological diseases that are considered in preclinical or even in the clinical stage for gene therapy. Some of them are central nervous system disorders, and many of them are really devastated conditions, such as adrenoleukodystrophy, um, adult diseases such as motor neuron diseases, Rett syndrome, um, and other type of uh, central nervous system disorders. It is very exciting time for uh, being a neuromuscular uh, pediatric neurologist because there are several um, possibilities to treat uh, formerly devastated conditions such as muscular dystrophies, uh, various uh, muscle disorders, and motor neuron disorders. There's only one um, so far approved uh, gene therapy protocol, which is for spinal muscular atrophy. Next slide, please. I will describe the two conditions that are really advanced, uh, in advanced stage for gene therapy. Duchenne muscular dystrophy is one of the most common neuromuscular disorder, and it is uh, devastating because uh, um, the uh, person uh, will continue to progress and uh, uh, would not survive uh, uh, um, early adulthood uh, without uh, intervention. The gene for uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy is located on uh, uh, X chromosome, and mostly uh, large deletions are um, uh, uh, um, present in uh, this condition on the short arm of the X chromosome. The hallmark of this disease is very um, elevated uh, creatine kinase level, muscle hypertrophy, you see in the gastrocnemius, and the typical GAR sign. And so I encourage every pediatrician to perform GARS tests when a child has some gait difficulty, walking difficulty, which is very characteristic for proximal weakness, uh, not only for muscular dystrophy, but it can be a hallmark for this condition to start uh, thinking about it. Next slide, please. The milder allelic form of disease is Becker's muscular dystrophy, which um, uh, um, is still a progressive disease, 
but does not uh, lead to such a devast devastating progression. It is milder. Um, and I'll tell you exactly what, why uh, it's happening that there are milder cases for this condition. The keratin kinase can be still very elevated. The hallmarks are uh, scapular winging, uh, pseudo-hypertrophy of the gastrocnemius muscles, and then proximal muscle weakness. Next slide, please. Pathologically, what happens in the muscular dystrophy, the, the muscle cells are degenerating. They, uh, there's a lot of inflammation, fibrosis in the muscle compared to a nor, uh, normal muscle fiber. And uh, the, uh, as a compensation, a lot of scarring and muscle hypertrophy uh, will occur. Next slide, please. Again, the condition is related to um, uh, genetic abnormality in a gene uh, on, a on a X chromosome called the uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy gene, which is probably one of the largest genes in our uh, body. This produces and it creates the problem for gene therapy. It, uh, it is coded by a 14 kilodalton um, piece of uh, uh, cDNA and the protein is uh, 420 kilo kilobits. The function of this protein, the protein is it, it uh, stabilizes the muscle membrane by attaching to various mem membrane molecules internal acting muscle. And uh, the function um, is related to um, extensive uh, stretching and uh, contraction will protect the muscle membrane uh, from tear and uh, therefore um, muscle degeneration. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Um, there are several different mutations, uh, um, uh, but the most typical are large deletions. But the deletions can occur that it keeps the, um, the reading frame intact, then we have a, a milder disease. When the reading frame is uh, disrupted, then we have the more severe disease. And um, the definition for Duchenne muscular dystrophy, the lack of protein um, expression. Uh, in the Becker's muscular dystrophy, protein is present, but uh, it's a truncated smaller size than normal. Next slide, please. The gene to be able to understand the uh, treatment of this disease, we have to understand the gene uh, genomic structure um, of this condition. What it, this uh, gene um, includes uh, 79 coding um, um, uh, exons. And um, these exons are, um, as it depicted here, um, um, are in an alignment. So um, if, if uh, let's see, just an example, um, to be able to um, provide um, in-frame uh, transcription, um, the, the some of the axons when they are dilated, such as uh, let's see, 24 to 28, when it's dilated, it keeps the reading frame intact because the, the exome ends are compatible. In a dilation, for example, exome 50, um, it produces an incompatible ending between 49 and 51. Therefore, it will result in Duchenne muscular dystrophy. But the idea is how we can treat the disease or make it milder. If we knock out uh, um, exome 50, then it will, um, uh, or 51, then it will become exome 49 will be compatible with 52 uh, to produce a uh, functional uh, but truncated protein. 
So we just have to find a mechanism how we can potentially force a skipping of an axon and uh, provide a treatment. Next slide, please. So such as uh, um, um, uh, develop, uh, such as uh, treatment has been developed using uh, antisense oligonucleotides. These uh, oligonucleotides are um, designed to bind uh, um, uh, in, uh, exonic, in, exonic uh, splicing enhancer sites, for example, for exon 51, and will therefore, when it's blocked, it will be skipped. So it will make uh, possible that the RNA uh, will be transcribed uh, directly with the junction of uh, 49 and 52 in this situation and provide a functional protein. So this is the idea of, uh, of treatment with um, um, oligonucleotides for Duchenne muscular dystrophy, which is a form of genetic treatment. Next slide, please. Not all, all of the patients uh, are uh, uh, qualified for this type of, uh, of treatment, but de depending on their mutations, about 50% uh, of the patients would qualify for some kind of uh, exon skipping. The first uh, has been developed for the no most common uh, type of mutation that would uh, um, make it possible to treat about 13% of the patients. And this is uh, uh, what has, uh, has been approved now and used uh, for treatment. Next slide, please. <clears throat> so this, um, um, ex uh, of course, uh, has been initially tried in animal models. Then uh, the initial uh, uh, human clinical trials have been um, produced. We were fortunate enough to participate in uh, such a clinical trial called uh, the PROMOVI uh, at our center. Uh, which uh, treated uh, boys uh, uh, at, uh, between uh, seven and 13 years of age. The endpoints were dystrophy production measurements from muscle biopsies. The other endpoints were uh, functional uh, uh, outcome measures uh, using some uh, physical therapy um, uh, protocols. What is has shown the initial trials uh, showed that um, uh, dystrophy was produced in muscles and the patient's uh, 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 motor functions uh, have um, stabilized, it did not decline like it, uh, compared to what it was expected from the natural um, disease. Um, and uh, creatine kinase actually has dropped. Next slide, please. So after a um, um, long, longitudinal study of, uh, of uh, uh, double-blind placebo-controlled trials using uh, um, outcome measures, Actually, the FDA uh, granted approval at the, at the end of 2016 for this uh, exon skipping agent, which now uh, used in uh, uh, cl uh, routine clinical treatments. Next slide, please. Our experience at uh, CCMC uh, uh, is uh, coming from commercial treatment of patients with uh, that are amenable for exon 51 skipping. We have three such a patients. One actually participated in prior clinical trial and uh, that patient is really doing well. The other patients four were a more advanced stage of the disease, but they are stabilized with the treatment. We have uh, uh, still two ongoing, ongoing clinical trials with a more advanced form of this oligonucleotides uh, with a, um, that stabilizes the oligonucleotides even more uh, than the original um, product. 
we have two patients in this uh, clinical trial for exome 51 skipping, and we have two other um, uh, patients uh, who are receiving a, a clinical trial for exome 50, for, uh, 45 and 53 skipping, and we have another um, unrelated clinical trial to reduce inflammation in the muscle cells. I would like to thank the whole clinical trial unit, their effort, and all of their uh, help and participation um, in, uh, in the clinical trial, including uh, our physical therapists and uh, the very keen pharmacy. Next slide, slide please. Um, gene therapy has been proposed for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So um, the, the full functional cDNA has to, de has to be delivered into the muscle cells. Muscle cells are the target cells along with cardiac muscle uh, for treating of the disease. Preclinical trials have been done with tracer genes and uh, various vectors have been utilized. Next slide, please. I was fortunate enough to be a postdoc in a laboratory um, in, at the end of uh, um, uh, 1980s um, at University of Wisconsin when we discovered that uh, simply injecting naked plasmid DNA into, directly into muscle cells will produce uh, protein. And, uh, and this uh, was a, a very interesting discovery and we thought that with this we can treat uh, different muscle disorders. We have uh, used the um, uh, animal model for Duchenne muscular dystrophy and injected naked plasmid DNA and was able to show that we can produce protein. It can localize the pro proper surface of the muscle cells. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, was, the hope was at that time that uh, this can uh, be a major milestone for uh, treating muscular dystrophy. The advantage for using plasmid DNA, it can incorporate the full length um, uh, cDNA. There's no uh, size limitation. The problem uh, later on uh, was that we found that it was not efficient enough. But uh, I want to mention that this uh, provided uh, probably a foundation of the um, uh, uh, current uh, vaccine trials. And this paper has been, which was published in Science, has been cited a lot recently by vaccine developers because you, for vaccine, um, um, you don't have to really uh, 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 express uh, the genes of interest in too many cells. So it, it gives a platform for potential vaccine development. <clears throat> Next slide, please. Since the, the low efficiency, um, uh, I turned to viral vectors in my laboratory, which was at uh, uh, McGill and uh, later on at uh, Wayne State University. Using um, adenoviral vectors, we, can, we could improve the efficiency of gene transfer quite a bit, as you can see, but it was particularly um, uh, efficient when we used it in newborn animals. Unfortunately, in adult animals, even though um, the efficiency was less in muscle cells, unfortunately, you see a lot of inflammation in these muscle cells. As a, um, a side result of this, uh, we also not, uh, noticed that when you transfer genes into muscle retrogates the transfer occurs and uh, gene expression occurs in uh, not only in muscle cells but in spinal cord and brain using these uh, uh, marker vectors. Next slide please. 
So we expressed the uh, uh, full-length uh, Duchenne mask dystrophy gene, DMD gene, in uh, animal models, and were able to show a large, quite robust uh, gene expression. Unfortunately, to be able to use this for therapeutic purposes, a massive uh, immune uh, suppression would have to be um, administered using this adenoviral vector because of the inflammatory response. Next slide, please. And this uh, shows the uh, inflammatory uh, markers uh, using this adenovirus. So adenovirus fell out of the favor, particularly because of the death of the patient that I mentioned. And uh, uh, everybody was searching uh, heavily for other more safer um, vectors. Next slide, please. So adeno-associated virus uh, was really researched by um, a prominent uh, virologist, uh, Jude Samilski at uh, University of North Carolina. He identified at least 36 different uh, serotype of adeno-associated virus and tried to utilize uh, for different uh, gene transfer uh, purposes, including liver and muscle, showing quite robust expression of, of um, exogenous uh, 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 gene product in uh, different cells. Next slide, please. This was further developed and various serotypes have been used uh, 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 particularly by Jeff Chamberlain's lab at University of Michigan to see which uh, type of uh, serotype of the AAV is the most efficient, efficacious for muscle cells. And he found that uh, a serotype AAV6 and also AAV9 was very efficiently transducing muscle cells. Almost 90% of the fibers were able to transduce by direct injection and also by uh, intravenous injection. Next slide, please. This uh, um, diagram shows the uh, efficacy of intravenous injection in a rodent uh, using uh, this uh, AV6 um, uh, uh, gene therapy platform. Next slide, please. The problem for gene therapy for Duchenne muscular dystrophy is that this AV vector cannot incorporate the full-length uh, cDNA for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. But we know from a human disease that some patients are very mild. Um, we, there was a patient found uh, at 65 years of age with muscular dystrophy who was missing 65% of the whole uh, uh, cDNA. And this was modeled to truncate the um, full length cDNA and incorporate in adeno associated virus with the hope that uh, using this truncated short mini gene would be able to serve as a platform for gene therapy. Next slide, please. This uh, shows that uh, when this um, AV was engineered with a microdystrophin and used intravenously in uh, animals and then uh, uh, and such as even human primates, uh, gene therapy was very um, efficient. The first human uh, was treated with this condition was actually a patient with limb girdle muscular dystrophy, um, um, which uh, showed uh, quite good efficacy. Next slide, please. Currently, um, there are clinical trials in Duchenne muscular dystrophy using this platform. And the first uh, report uh, using um, this uh, approach was only uh, just recently published in JAMA, um, showing the uh, four patients who were treated with uh, um, uh, this uh, gene therapy, uh, and it appeared to be safe. The, um, we don't have further uh, follow-up, but uh, we know from conferences and presentations that it seemed to be very promising 
um, uh, gene therapy for Duchenne muscular dystrophy, but it has not been approved yet. Next slide, please. Um, the same publication showed the uh, quite good robust expression of the uh, uh, protein in these patients from muscle biopsy. Next slide, please. Uh, there's a very exciting development using uh, gene editing, at least in an animal model, uh, using gene therapy approach in a particle uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy mouse, quite uh, good restoration of the dystrophin expression was found. So we will, this will be another new way of treating diseases. And I'm sure that uh, we will be hearing about this in the next few years as a potential treatment. Next slide, please. I would like to um, uh, turn to another disease at the rest of the talk, um, um, which is very close to my heart because uh, we are now able to treat patients for uh, spinal muscular atrophy. Next slide, please. Spinal muscular atrophy is a, a motor neuron disease. It, it is a spectrum of uh, the severity of disease and in different uh, patients. The most severe patients are the most, frequent, the most prevalent and uh, spinal muscular atrophy in infants is probably the most uh, frequent cause of uh, death from a genetic disorder uh, before treatments were available. These uh, patients start presenting before the first six months of age, but they may born normally. So that's a problem uh, recognizing the disease because initially at birth, sometimes they have symptoms like slow uh, feeding, just uh, lo uh, low muscle tone, neck, uh, um, uh, uh, strength uh, problem, but not recognized until a couple of months of age, which um, already at that time, they lose a lot of motor neurons, unfortunately. Um, so we have to recognize this condition very early to be able to uh, treat them. These patients that, uh, in the past uh, did not survive uh, until two years of age. Now the type two patients um, start uh, later they never walk, but they're able to uh, uh, sit at one point. And milder patients with type three and type four SMA actually can, can start uh, to have symptoms any time of age and usually able to walk, but they progressively lose the ability uh, slowly. Next time page, please. So this uh, diagram shows the natural history of type one SMA, again, showing that only about 8% of the patients would survive without a particular intervention of treatment beyond 20 months of age, unless invasive ventilatory support uh, is uh, instituted uh, uh, for these patients. Next slide, please. So the disease is caused by um, a recessive homologous uh, mutation um, of, uh, of a gene region on chromosome five and it has been uh, described in 1995 that the gene is responsible for this disease is a gene called survival motor neuron gene number one. Most patients, 95% of patients have uh, homozygous dilation and uh, particularly affecting the exon seven, eight, but there are about 5% of the patients who have point mutations on one allele and dilation on the other allele. I wanna mention this because this is the 5% of the patients who will not be screened um, in neonatal screening with the current uh, technology, but the rest of the 95 patients would be screened right at birth for the condition. 
This is an interesting region of the chromosome five because it contains several uh, repeated uh, multiplicated genes in, in neighboring areas. And interestingly, there's a very similar uh, gene to SMN1 called SMN2 gene. This is almost homologous uh, 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 between the two, but still differs by about five base pair. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the disease. I wanna mention that this only happens in humans. If um, SMM1 or, or this molecule is, uh, is missing in um, any animals, they would be not be able to survive, would uh, be embryonic lethal. Next time, please. Next uh, slide, please. So what's the difference between SMM1 and 2? This particle C22, uh, uh, cytosine to timidine change in exon 7 is the crucial why SMN2 doesn't produce uh, the normal protein, but still produces a very low amount of uh, truncated protein because exon 7 is missing and the protein becomes uh, unstable. So when SMM1, which produces uh, the normal 100% uh, of, uh, of SMM protein in a, in a healthy individual is missing, the reason that people survive because of this 10% of residual protein production from SMN2. Now, some individuals have one copy, some individuals have many copies of this SMN2, and this is what really determines the severity of the disease. If someone has has two copies, it's most likely type one disease. If somebody has uh, three copies, that's usually type two, and three or more copies uh, would be type three or four. Interestingly, if someone has lucky enough to have uh, uh, six copies of SMN2, that basically um, becomes uh, uh, symptom-free. So this gives an um, opportunity to try to develop a treatment because if we're able to modify this SMN2 gene, to force more protein expression, then we can treat the disease. Next slide, please. The SMN protein itself is a very interesting. It's a small protein that participates in assembly of ribonucleic uh, 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 complex, and it appears to be ubiquitous as important for uh, RNA metabolism. But this doesn't explain really the disease. It looks like that all cells in our body is able to tolerate very low level of SMN in normal function except uh, large motor neurons. So it, it is feasible that this protein in large motor neurons has a different function. But it has been found that SMN uh, protein is really enriched in the developing axons and neurons. And it appears that uh, the function in uh, nerve cells is that it transports transforms mRNA in the axon, and particularly m-actin RNA. m-actin is very important for axonal growth and uh, neuromuscular junction formation in large motor neurons. Next slide, please. So the therapeutic platform focuses on two past scenarios, possibilities. One is to modify SMN2 using oligonucleotides to try to force axon seven inclusions blocking a, a particle splice site on, 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 on the gene. And this is really the current uh, uh, approved, uh, one of the current approved treatments uh, uh, using oligonucleotides or more recently, a small uh, design, a small molecule. The other is to provide a full length SMM1 using gene therapy and um, add on associated vector. 
The good thing is with uh, this, this, this is a small gene and it can be easily incorporated into adeno-associated virus. Next uh, slide, please. I, I will have to mention uh, just some discoveries which were important for the treatment, uh, developing treatment. Uh, Elliot and Orpheus and Singh uh, described this very um, specific splice uh, enhancer site in uh, SMN2, which uh, became really the target for the treatment. He works at the University of Massachusetts uh, um, in Worcester. Next time, please. Next slide. The other key important discovery was by Adrian Craner at Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, who designed a specific oligonucleotide to block this splicing enhancer slide, which would uh, force exon 7 inclusions. He studied this in uh, cell culture models of the disease and uh, showed that it can eff uh, efficiently uh, produce SMN uh, full length protein. Next slide, please. When uh, administered um, into um, um, the human body, these oligonucleotides don't have a good penetration through the uh, blood brain barrier. Therefore, the proposal was to use intrathecal injection, and it has been shown in different models that intrathecal injection actually causes a widespread uh, delivery and distribution of these oligonucleotides in many different areas of the brain and the spinal cord, and it stays quite stable um, uh, in, in uh, the uh, CNS compartment. Next slide, please. So there were um, several um, uh, clinical trials um, um, uh, proposed and uh, carried out. We were participants in the embraced uh, clinical trial which just ended and the results are currently analyzed. But other um, uh, clinical trials tried to include a different type of SMA patients. The very early onset is, uh, type one patients and the later onset uh, type two patients. The very interesting study is uh, the nurture study, which uh, inclu uh, included pre-symptomatic patients who were discovered right after birth. The treatment includes a, a um, loading phase of the uh, treatment intrathecally. Uh, the first four injections comes in uh, the first uh, 60 days, and then it looks like that it's enough to do maintenance every four months after that. Next slide, please. When these clinical trials uh, uh, analyzed in, uh, with interim analysis for uh, particularly patients achieving motor milestones compared to the natural history and also patients who were placebo um, uh, treated, they showed continued decline um, of their functions. Those patients who were treated in the different clinical trials showed actually improvement and no decline. It appears that the patients who were treated the earliest uh, from the clinical trials, particularly with the nurture patients, re really shortly after birth, were able to almost achieve normal milestones. Next time, please. Next slide. I want to mention a couple of, uh, of our own uh, treatment experiences. I was interested in treating uh, later onset patients to see how much this treatment helps them. I uh, particularly want to mention two teenagers who had type 3 SMA, they were struggling with their gait and functions. And using a, a standard measurement of a six minute walking test, we were able to show that even uh, um, very early uh, in the treatment that they improved. And they basically by uh, one year uh, um, after treatment, they tripled their 
um, uh, distance they can walk in six minutes. So this gives a dramatic improvement in their quality of life, as they are telling us, because they are in college and walking around college campuses uh, is very difficult and they are very happy that they, they have much better endurance. Um, so this uh, gives even a positive uh, results in later onset patients using uh, the insertical uh, nucinersin treatment. Next slide, please. Another um, um, uh, important aspect is treating patients with very advanced disease who are already on ventilator and tracheostomy. We were able to treat uh, about four patients who were in that stage of the disease. Many of them had variable uh, prior hospitalizations uh, before the treatment. Some of them are a lot of hospitalizations, some of them are not so much. But we compared two years prior and after treatment showing that the, the, the um, um, hospital days for these patients have dramatically decreased. Um, individually, as you see, particularly in, in patient one and patient three, and uh, including the ICU admissions have dramatically decreased using this treatment. So even in, at end stage of disease or later stage of disease, um, um, probably improved the respiratory functions helps us to, to treat these patients and show that quali quality of life can be um, improved even at that stage of the disease. Next slide, please. So uh, currently we are treating about 15 patients um, uh, with, uh, with uh, uh, this uh, uh, treatment which has been approved. I would like to really thank the, our multidisciplinary team, the, the team such as uh, our nurse coordinator, Nancy, or therapists um, who are integral part of the treatment, or anesthesia sedation service, which is very keen to help us. And, uh, of course, our interventional radiology uh, uh, staff who is very uh, keen to treat these patients when we need to use uh, uh, fluoroscopy or uh, CT-guided uh, uh, intrathecal administration. All of these patients that we treated had, had improved. Only one passed away, but he was in a very, very advanced stage of the disease. So nowadays, you, you, you don't see really patients with spinal mask atrophy who who end up uh, very often in, in, in uh, ICUs or ventilators, uh, thanks to this uh, treatment. Next slide, please. There's a brand new um, oral medication that just has been approved, which is a small molecule, which does exactly the same thing as the intradecal medicine. This will probably change the whole um, um, uh, scope of our treatment for spinal mus muscular atrophy, and we already switched uh, two patients uh, at least for this treatment, we still have to learn much more about the efficacy of this uh, medication. Next slide, please. Um, I would like to skip this and uh, uh, go on because of time. Um, I just wanna finish up with the gene therapy that we have been involved. SME is a really ideal disease that, uh, for treatment. The reason for it that it's a monogenic we know the target cells, and we have good vectors to uh, introduce uh, um, um, the full-length uh, DNA into the spinal cord. Next slide, please. Um, in my own laboratory, we were able to uh, produce AV2 vectors showing that both can transduce uh, spinal motor neurons for therapy, but AV2 vector was not efficient enough. Next slide, please. Next slide. 
Um, and uh, it, it, it has been also utilized for um, ALS treatment. I just want to mention this. Next slide, please. Not until the vector of the AV9 serotype was discovered, this is a particle serotype of the virus because it's able to cause blood brain barrier. So that was a major discovery which uh, made us uh, uh, possible to treat spinal atrophy. Next slide, please. This vector has been developed to produce uh, the full-length uh, um, SMM1 gene and has been used initially for animal models, showing that animals actually survived and didn't die. This was a good indication that this treatment would be effective in humans. Next slide, please. So initial clinical trials have been developed with uh, two uh, doses uh, in three patients and uh, another uh, 14 patients. And they all survived uh, beyond uh, their expected life, uh, 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 life uh, compared to natural history. Next slide, please. Not only they survived, their motor functions uh, have improved uh, during, uh, after the gene therapy treatment, which was intravenous treatment, and showing improvements in some of the motor uh, functional measures. Next slide, please. Patients in, from these clinical trials, 92% was able to hold their head, 75% was able to roll over after two, uh, two years. Um, many of them were able to sit, which would, they would never do uh, without treatment, and a few of them were able to walk. Next slide, please. This is a, as a, available from social media. It is a video showing this uh, uh, little guy who was treated very early with gene therapy, and even though he has some spinal muscular atrophy one, he's able to walk. Next slide, please. And there are safety concerns, uh, particularly uh, inflammation in the liver, and we have to use steroid treatment uh, during this uh, gene therapy, but otherwise there are no other serious side effects reported. Next slide, please. Our own experience is treatment for now for patients. Um, um, one patient already was in spinraza by the time the gene therapy was available. And uh, this patient is shown here. I got the permission to show her. She's able to wonderfully sit and uh, she's continued to make progress. The other patients uh, were um, treated uh, uh, after a diagnosis very shortly at three months or eight months of age. This patient is probably a type two patient because they didn't have uh, really the diagnosis until seven months of age um, and has higher number of SMN2 copies. And the last patient just uh, uh, two months ago we treated who was the first newborn who was screened by newborn screening and treated. They're all doing uh, quite well and we are eagerly monitoring their motor functions as is shown on the next slide. Using a, a standard score, as you can see on the uh, slide, they are continuing to improve with their motor uh, uh, functions, and they almost reach the maximum score that is uh, 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 reachable on this uh, uh, measurement, which is 64. The key, key um, element of this, the earlier the treatment, the better of the uh, outcome of the, this treatment. Next slide, please. So I would like to um, uh, really make a, a final uh, comment on, on the, as a conclusion that Spinal muscular atrophy treatment works both gene therapy and oligonucleotides, but you have to recognize the disease early. 
that's why neur newborn screening is crucial and the uh, treatment before the motor neurons are dying. Uh, this required a multidisciplinary effort, but the treatment is very, very promising, and I, I just, uh, I'm very optimistic. Next slide, please. Overall, genetic therapies are making a, a major difference in uh, neurological diseases, and it will continue to be very promising, and we have to pay attention and should ha have the ability to administer these treatments in our own uh, patient populations. Early treatment is crucial. We have to worry about uh, immune response for repeated treatments. We have to uh, do the best targeting through blood-brain barrier. And uh, we have to make sure that in the future, we don't really alter our genome permanently. At the last slide, I would just want to mention the vaccination, particularly in our COVID era. Um, the, these vaccines are, most of vaccines uh, require gene therapy and form of gene therapy. And um, um, this is uh, quite interesting because the RNA DNA vaccines that are currently developed basically injected into the muscle. The muscle is used as a platform for antigen presentation and that will recruit uh, inflammatory cells and hopefully provide immune response and also uh, trigger the memory cells to remember uh, these insults. So these uh, new vector developments using gene therapy are developed for several viruses. I'm so confident and optimistic about this technology that myself, I volunteer for the COVID vaccine trials or so received already two shots. And so I'm very optimistic that this is gonna work. And I would like to thank everybody for, for the attention. Thank you, uh, Jula, for uh, a truly, truly outstanding uh, overview and presentation of, uh, of uh, all the therapies which uh, displays your, your expertise, the expertise of Connecticut Children's, and, and really you know, transforming the care of, of so many kids with your leadership. So thank you very much, uh, the entire Division of Pediatric Neurology, our clinical trials team, uh, Hendriana, uh, and, and the others in particular that have really made this uh, possible, and, and our, our, also our pharmacy team that makes it, makes it possible, really at the cutting edge. Uh, and that's so that we only have a time for a couple of questions. The first question is from Dr. Felice Heller, and, and the question is, how many centers around the country are currently offering gene therapy for these diseases? Um, there are several. I cannot really tell you uh, numbers. Of course, for... Um, for spinal mass atrophy is increasing rapidly and uh, is already becoming routine. Of course, these are mainly the large hospitals and centers. For Duchenne muscular dystrophy, there are only a few centers currently available, particularly at Ohio State, which is a powerhouse of uh, gene therapy for, for these neuromuscular diseases. But it has been uh, becoming a clinical trial in Florida and uh, some, some other larger centers. I, I don't have a number. Uh, the other, the next question is, uh, 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 what is the state of clinical trials for gene therapy for Friedrich's ataxia? This is a very um, interesting and important question. There is ongoing uh, um, already human clinical trial, and Friedreich's ataxia is actually another uh, recessive disease, although it's a triplet repeat disease, which is a little bit more tricky to treat. But um, I, my expectation is that. Uh, that, that is another disease that should be amenable for gene therapy very soon. And so I'm very optimistic. It's interesting there are some other um, non-neurological diseases that should see progress, such as cystic fibrosis. 
And uh, I'm really curious uh, what is the state of that because that would be a model disease to treat also with gene therapy. Thank you, Julia. Um, I think uh, it's it's 9:04, so uh, we can get let people get back to uh, their daily activities. I really want to thank you for an outstanding presentation for all the work that you do, and uh, we apologize for some of the technical issues that were related to to voice uh, losing your, your your the voice. That wasn't Dr. Exadi's fault. It's it's the internet. Uh, sometimes it it acts in the time of Zoom, so we apologize for that presentation is available for you to listen uh, and, and so please do it and uh, fill out your evaluations. So thank you for attending. I uh, will see you again on Friday and then next Tuesday for our next round rounds. Take care everyone. Be safe.